0: Of scripture in the book of Acts today, and we're going to kind of revisit some things. And I'm going to talk to you about something the Spirit of the Lord really began to impress upon my spirit. We're going to go to the book of Acts, chapter 8, and read verses 5 through 8 for our scripture references today. Acts, chapter 8, beginning at verse 5 and going down through verse 8. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. And the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits, crying with a loud voice, came out of many who were possessed. And many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. And there was great joy in the city. From those scriptures, I want to speak to you today from a subject titled The Essence of Apostolic Revival. Thank you, God. The Essence of Apostolic Revival. Mighty God, as we come today, we thank you, Lord. For the worship time we've shared. Thank you for what we have felt and experienced so far. I ask, Lord, that you will anoint us for the next few minutes with your anointing. And I pray, God, that in some kind of way we will be able to create a hunger and the hearts of the men and women that are here today for true apostolic revival. In Jesus' name, let the church say, Amen. Amen. You can be seated. I want you to understand something before I get started. you are hearing me use the name apostolic in reference to revival i want to let you know right off the bat when i use that name i'm not referring to no denomination or organization When I say apostolic, I'm referring to the apostles of Jesus Christ and the move of God that they had and the power of God that they had in the first century church. That's what I'm referring to. Hallelujah. Apostolic revival. What is it? Where did it originate? Can the church function without it? Can our nation survive without it? How do we attain... Apostolic Revival. We hear a lot of talk today. We hear a lot of what I call fleshly gab. People saying, well, we had a revival over here. We had a revival over there. But I am persuaded today that many of us have really forgotten what revival is all about. I've been in some good meetings. You've been in some good meetings. But I'm going to declare to you by the knowing of the Holy Ghost and the authority that God placed in my life as calling me to ministry. It has been years since I have been involved in apostolic revival and so is everybody in this building. We have become satisfied with just a little dab of do you? we get a prophet or an evangelist or somebody I know to come by and we'll get touched and we'll get a few people slain on the floor and we'll say we had revival no honey we ain't had revival because nobody is changing and the people's lives are not changing. It. it's not true apostolic revival you ain't gonna have revival until the throws away his k- a whiskey bottle you ain't got revival until those shacked up gets married or separates you ain't gonna have revival people quit sinning and start serving God it's the truth anyhow we have sugar coated this thing and watered it down in an effort to try to get people in or in an effort to try to keep from running some folks off. Come but I'm going to tell you something. When somebody. Hallelujah. When somebody has got unrepentant sins in their life. And the devil's got them wrapped up. And chains wrapped around them. You ain't doing them no favor by patting them on the back and saying, well, just do the best you can. I'm going to tell you something. That's not going to get nobody saved. God is shaking me over this. We have got to somehow, in some kind of way, attain apostolic Revival. We get too bored to have apostolic revival nowadays. We got too many things going on. We got to go over here to do this. We got to go over there to do that. If the preaching gets over over twenty five or thirty minutes, we get to squirming. We can't set our minds to come into the house of God night after night after night to reach out and snatch souls out of the far and get us regenerated to the point and the place that we should be in Christ. Something's happened. Something's changed. I remember well the night that I was baptized in Columbia, Tennessee. I didn't even know that church existed. <laughs> Brother Bobby just goes along with his lesson today. We got in the car and headed to Columbia, thought we was going to go to one church. Never did find a church. Somebody might say, just by happenstance, passed another church that had a sign up front that said Revival. No, no. We put that and said, we just want to pull here. We go all the way to Columbia. We didn't drive the interstate one. Now, it was not chance. God was directing. Because even though I was just a young teenager, man, I, my mind was just filled just as much as any any any, any boy. Fourteen or fifteen years old. There was a call that I didn't really, really realize, even though I'd already started preaching that night. That I was baptized. It wasn't taking off for Saturday nights or Friday nights. They was there Monday through Sunday for five weeks. And every night, there was a new convert. Every night, three or four, was baptized in water. After that night... We drove back for two more weeks every night before it finally ended. And when it finally ended, because the evangelist who was there didn't have no choice, he had already had another resolve somewhere else in another state that he had to go to. People did not want it to end. Now, it's just too hard for us to go to church Sunday morning and Sunday night, too we got to drive too far. So much going on. Revival? Sure, Pastor, we'll, we'll have one on. on. We, we may be able to squeeze out a Friday, Saturday, and Sunday night, but don't ask me to come no more than that. God told me that His people is not hungry enough for His presence today. We're hungry for other things. We're hungry for working every minute we can so we can build up a safe nest egg so we can feel comfortable about retiring someday. And we rely more on our nest egg than we do God. That's why God says He's going to let some people's nest egg fall away. In the very near future. Hallelujah. The essence of apostolic revival. Is when we start learning to walk by faith again. Like the book says. talking about book of Acts revival. Hallelujah. Now bear with me just a few minutes and I want to give you something directly from what I read here in Acts chapter 8 verses 5 through eight, I'm going to tell you by example of scripture how we achieve apostolic revival. Number one, Christ alone must be preached. Christ alone must be preached. In verse 5 that I read, it said, Then Philip went down into the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. Preaching today, even in Pentecostal circles has evolved into something that the early church fathers would never recognize if they heard it. Everything is preached behind the pulpit except Christ. Hallelujah. I've been guilty sometimes. When we see all the junk going on in the world, it stirs us emotionally, and we see what's going on in, uh, in, in different phases of government. We get um, and, and sometimes, if we're not careful, Amen. We teach people and we preach politics more than we do Christ. If we're going to have true apostolic revival, if we're going to, have to get back to preaching Christ. We got to preach. There's no salvation in the other. No other name given among men whereby we must be saved. That's Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. If you try to come up some other way, you're a thief and a robber, Jesus said. My Lord. Apostolic revival will never prevail unless we preach Christ and Christ alone. It don't matter what this one's doing over here, that one's doing over there. It don't make no difference what my denominational buddies are doing. I cannot answer for all them, but I can answer for myself, and I have to answer for myself. When I stand behind this desk, hallelujah, when all is said and done, my main golden chief objective is when I finish to make sure that I present it unto you, Jesus Christ. Christ I want to show you a scripture in 1st Corinthians chapter 2 verses 1 and 2 hallelujah apostle Paul preaching and talking well talking to the church in Corinth he said and I brethren when I came to you did not come with excellency of speech Or of wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Now, I want to make sure that I make that verse crystal crystal clear. And we're going to read it again in a different translation. God's Word translation. Put that up there. Brothers and sisters, when I came to you, I did not speak about God's mystery as if it were some kind of brilliant message or wisdom. While I was with you, I decided to deal with only one subject, Jesus Christ, who was crucified. Glory to God, I'm telling you, if you call me I did not come to you come speaking about God's mysteries or some kind of brilliant message or wisdom. I'm going to tell you something. Paul was a smart man. He was an educated man. Yeah. He was not a dummy. He was not illiterate. Amen. He was a member of the Sanhedrin. He, he arose higher the many of his contemporaries we find in the Word of God. Man, he could come there and he could have blowed their mind with all kind of mystic stuff. And man just show his wisdom. And everybody sat there while he's preaching with a jaw dropped. And oh man, look at that man smarts so and look at his wisdom. Apostle Paul said, I didn't do that. I didn't use none of that. I forgot all that. He said, I determined not to know anything. He said, while I was with you. I decided to deal with only one subject, Jesus Christ, who was crucified. If we're going to have true apostolic revival, Jesus Christ is who we got to uplift. He's the one that we got to magnify. Then secondly, acceptance must follow. The Bible said in verse 6 of that chapter, and the multitudes, and the multitudes. Sometime we come to church and we don't have but two or three, you know, show up and we'll just, you know, kind of chuckle and we'll, we'll be proud of ourselves. And we say, well, you know, well, there's just two or three gathered in His name. Hallelujah. You're not going to have apostolic revival as long as you're satisfied with two or three. Show me in this verse where it was two or three. And the multitudes. Multitudes. How many? What kind of number you think there would be sitting listening to Philip preach? By the use of the word. What does the word multitudes mean? Thousands. Thousands. Matter of fact, we'll find out that that revival, that deacon Philip... That's something else that some of us ought to think about. This man was one, he was ordained as a deacon. He was one of the first deacons in the church. He was one of the seven who was ordained as a deacon to take care of the widows and the orphans in the church and to make sure nobody in the church got hungry. That's what he was called to do. But because he was faithful in what what he was originally called, God raised him up into the ranks of an evangelist. And from here on, he was known as Philip the Evangelist. Hallelujah. Amen. God blesses faithfulness. I don't care what kind of job you got to do in, a, in, a, in, a, in the kingdom of God, if it ain't nothing but vacuuming the floor, make sure you're the best floor vacuumer there is. I I mean it's time to wish hey I don't care what you do in your personal life amen you can be haphazard with your job haphazard amen with your house cleaning amen and everything else you want to be haphazard but praise God if you're going to do something for God if it ain't nothing to clean a toilet don't be haphazard hallelujah make that toilet so clean that when you walk away you wouldn't mind sticking a cup down in it and taking a drink of water We will, people go to self-help courses and we learn, amen, to be salesmen and we, and we learn to do this. And people strive for excellence in this. They strive for excellence in that. When are you gonna start striving for excellence in the kingdom of God? Glory. Glory. Hallelujah. And the multitudes with one accord, heeded the things spoken by Philip. Acceptance. That's what that word, heeded, means. When Philip went down there and he preached Christ, then they accepted what he preached. Hallelujah. They heeded to it. Not just two or three of them, but multitudes. They heeded. Now, I love everybody. I love everybody. I hope nobody's wearing sandals right now. I hope you got your steel-toed boots on. Hallelujah. Not only are many today not preaching Christ... When he is preached, the masses of people refuse to receive it. Hey, I'm not no dummy. Hallelujah. There have been times behind my own pulpit that I knew I was preaching under the anointing of God. And and it went out that way. And all of a sudden, in about a split second, I felt like I had to duck because he was being thrown back. We don't receive the ministry today like they one time did. Now, I'm I'm answering your questions. I'm answering questions that I hear all the time. Brother Sammy, why don't we see more people healed that's sick today? Brother Sammy, why don't we see more people get the Holy Ghost? Brother Sammy, why don't we see all the miracles take place now that took place in the book of Acts? I'm answering your question right now. We don't receive the message when it's delivered. Word when it's preached, but we can't accept the word today. And here's where your steel boots are going to come in handy. We've got too many analysts sitting on the pews. We got folks sitting on church pews when the man of God is preaching, they want to analyze everything he says. Hello. We got too many doubters sitting on the pews. We got too many daydreamers sitting on the pews. Receive the word when it's preached. Then I got I've got to rush. Then signs will confirm the word. We don't have to worry about it. We don't have to worry about it if we got somebody there has got the gift of healing or not. We don't have to worry about if somebody's in the house has got a word of wisdom or not. Hallelujah! But it, when we start preaching Christ and people start receiving, Amen. The word preach, the signs is going to come automatically. What did he say? What did he say? <laughs> Glory to God. Verse 7, for unclean spirits crying with a loud voice came out of many who were possessed and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. Brother Sammy, how do I know I'm in the right church or not? Are the signs present in the church? Hallelujah. Mark chapter 16, verse 17. Put that up there. And these signs possibly will follow those who believe. Will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons, they will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. This lets you know these things, whether or not we're really having apostolic revival. Joy will fill the hearts of the people. Notice this, verse 8. And there was great joy in that city. In the city. That revival that Philip went down there and preached... It wasn't just for a handful of two or three people, but the whole city got involved. That's what happened in apostolic revival. People started coming from the north, the south, and the east, and the west. Hallelujah. Glory to God. When we allow the Holy Ghost to move like it should in our services, people's going to come to see what's going on. Isaiah 12 and 3, the last verse I'm, I'm going to read. Therefore, with joy will you draw water from the wells of salvation. With joy. Go? I won't roll the down There's a miracle